Welcome to Real History, shows what you know about history. On this podcast, we talk about historical movies and TV, anything that claims to be based on a true story, and we check how bad did they mess it up, how much did they sacrifice to get a great story. Well, that's why we're here, to separate the real history from the real history. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I don't know anything about history. Uh, my name is Michael Tynan, and I love the Crusades, but hate Orlando Bloom. <laughs> My name is Mark Bell, and I'm slightly amazed by Michael opening with "I love the Crusades." Just in, you know, modern <laughs> a bit context. of a crusader, controversial. <laughs> I like it. Um, so this week we're talking about "Kingdom of Heaven," a 2005 epic by Ridley Scott. Again, directed and produced by Ridley Scott. This one is written by William Monaghan, who, if you look at his IMDb, this is like his first film, and I'm like, how the fuck did you pull this off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, bit of background. Uh, he, he wrote a spec script for a film about Tripoli, called Tripoli, and that was sort of handed to uh, to Mr. Ridley. And he, uh, he liked... The, the sort of pitches and ideas and passion and Tripoli eventually fell through, but he was like, he was sold basically Ridley Scott on the idea of doing something about the Crusades um, and basically hired Monaghan to write it. Wow. So he's like, I really like your idea. We're not doing it, but yes. I like your idea. So <laughs> yeah. let's do my idea, but you can help. Yeah. Because I mean, I don't even know if Ridley Scott was excited about Tripoli. It was just sort of bought by uh, 20th right, Century Fox. Yeah. Right. And so they sort of, attached him to direct it and then it fell through but yeah he 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 sold the crusades much like you might michael as a setting uh reasoning that you've got every conceivable plot imaginable far more exotic than fiction and i think we get to see some of that here in kingdom of heaven well yeah i mean it's it's definitely it's definitely um a kind of a, a rich period of history to to draw from so it's actually a little bit surprising there's more movies that are set in the either the time period or the geographical locations i would say it's just a shame that orlando bloom was leading this one yes i think we can all agree on that um <laughs> so i i do have a one sentence summary here of the old uh, of the old film like we do just in case you haven't seen it um or in case you saw it i don't know 10 years ago or yeah, so, yeah. like everyone else and then forgot about it forever um this is the summary A foppish blacksmith travels to a holy land seeking redemption by trying to protect the people caught between warmongering religious groups. Fair. Foppish blacksmith. Yeah. That's that's Orlando. I don't know if that came through. Yeah. (laughs) I guess that. One thing I did want to mention is that this review is based on the director's cut of the film, which is about an extra hour long. Mm -hmm. Um and is a vast improvement on the original cut, the the cinematic release, if you want to call it that. Uh, but still, it still has a lot of familiar problems as well. Yeah, you mean like standard historical film type problems, that sort of thing? Infuriating problems <laughs> that I'm ready to tear apart, basically, <laughs> now. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, no, what you said is very true, because looking back, I, th- I am pretty sure I watched this film... But I do yeah. not remember it, and I think it's because I saw the theatrical yeah, release, yeah, yeah. which is very forgettable. Now, this one might, you know, it, it's actually a good film, I think, now, <laughs> having seen the long version. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the uh, the original cut, the theatrical cut, um, in cinemas, um, and I was, even then, as a, as a kid, very annoyed, because it's let down so badly by the lead that it's just you can't help but notice it but also just yeah like there's a lot of it's it's one of those films where you watch it in, in like when you're a little bit older and you've seen other movies and stuff um it's really obviously been 
cut and butchered and edited to bits and so when when I realised there was a director's cut I read online that people were saying it's essentially a different movie yeah uh, and it is vastly different and there, there is a big big improvement it's still a movie with flaws but um yeah the, the director's cut is a big big improvement on the theatrical release yeah we don't need to go into too much detail on it but I, I just wanted to mention for example in the film starts with our foppish blacksmith Orlando um, killing his brother yeah. who's not even his brother in the theatrical release <laughs> yeah. and like this moment of brutality I think I might vaguely remember it from originally watching like oh that was fucking weird and then if you watch the the real version of the film as I like to see it then it's like oh there's actually character stuff yeah. going on yeah. and like motivation and, and the editor of the film described the um the director's cut as like um like there's like or sorry they described the theatrical release as like you certainly see what's happening but you don't understand it because you're just connecting the dots and none of the actual motivations make as much sense well i kind of look at it like it's to actually pick that time period the, the 12th century is a really really interesting time in history uh, you've got such a clash of different peoples coming together different ideas um, you know it's it's ripe for this type of uh, epic if you know what I mean but mm. I just feel it was let down by so much stupid fucking stuff uh, like every 10 minutes you're like what's that about yeah. you know you're shaking your head and you're actually like should I should I just move on? And you end up just moving on because you're watching the movie. But w- looking back and actually trying to review it for a podcast, you're like, this thing is full of plot holes, you know? Um, which... Well, that whole, that whole piece at the start that you mentioned, like... So the reason he's gone to the Holy Land, is it because he's murdered his priest brother? Or is it because he's trying to redeem his wife who's killed herself? Both. I mean... But like in the theatrical version, you're just like he just killed a priest. Is that where he's going? He doesn't seem that upset about that because he robbed a chain. He robbed his wife's chain. He's just, yeah, he's, you're wearing some jewelry, yeah. like yeah. and yeah, like. But maybe maybe movie? we should talk about the the context of the film and how we came to Jerusalem being in that way. Yes, um, absolutely. And I think you should take the lead, Michael. You have very fiery passion about this, much like uh, the blacksmiths. Uh, Since you love the Crusades, apparently. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, yeah. That was a poor choice of words. So you will forgive me, everybody. Yeah. Uh, that is that how we're going to yeah. open every episode. And I love the Crusades. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I think I suppose in relation to this. It, we're, this is this period of the film I think it's 1184 um, and it opens in France um, now this is during the period between the second and third crusade if I'm not wrong Mark correct yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, Jerusalem has actually been under the control of the Franks um, or if you want to call them the European uh, Christians for about a hundred years at this yeah. stage uh, we can go into obviously maybe a little bit about how they even managed to take Jerusalem in the first place and what the motivations behind that were. Um, yeah, so it's it's a kind of a... Uh, it's it's a complex period of history. It's, it's a complex location, uh, the, the Holy Land, the Middle East. Um, essentially what's happened, uh, as you mentioned, is the, the, the Christians are controlling uh, Jerusalem, but not just Jerusalem, they've got much of the Levant, so they've got a lot of what we would now call Israel, Palestine, Lebanon... Um, up into parts of Turkey. Um, there's several countries there. 
uh, or what we would now call countries, kingdoms. So you've got the Kingdom of Jerusalem, which controls the city and its immediate environs. And I then love, you've also sorry got, to cut you off. I just love whenever there's a kingdom that's actually a city, and you're like, I think I'm king now. And I know that yeah. was sort of the deal back then. I mean, I could be a duke, but king sounds better, <laughs> <Yes>. so <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Uh, there's no, no one else about, so yeah, I think yeah, I'm yeah. king now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one's going to argue with me, so I'm the king. Um, so like to the north of that, then there's the, the county of Edessa, Tripoli and Cyprus are also being held by uh, crusaders, but it's a hundred years later. So a lot of the inhabitants, the Christian inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the, the knights and the army and so on, are not the original invaders. They're the their children and grandchildren and so on. Yeah. Um, Again, sorry to cut you off, but am I right in understanding then? Like, how long ago? Were there no crusades going on? Was that a hundred years so, ago or longer? So Jerusalem falls to the to the Christians in in around ten ninety nine, I believe, um, and this is after uh, after the first crusade has been called. It's it's kind of they're a bit fortunate actually when they arrive. What's happened in the uh, in the the Muslim world, the Islamic world, is that you've had a fracturing of the caliphate. So the caliphate is the is the the religious empire that controls the Middle East, but it controls at this point everything from Spain to Pakistan. Right. So it's this huge, huge empire, but it's completely fractured, and there's competing dynasties. And uh, the cali- the the caliphate in uh, Egypt is called the Fatimid Caliphate, and that's that's become very, very weak because of internal politics. And then in Syria, Iraq, and Iran, you've got the Seljuk Turks, who are a different dynasty, but they're also quite weak, and there's a lot of infighting, and there's all of this kind of stuff. While that's all happening, essentially, that's when the Crusaders strike. So it's very, very difficult to organize a, a full-on resistance to the Crusader armies that are arriving. Now, there, there, there is resistance, and, and the Crusaders lose battles and, and all of that kind of stuff, but it's not like one united islamic world fighting against this crusader army because yeah. if that's what did happen the crusaders probably would never have gone to jerusalem in the first place mm. um mm. so it's a it's a it's a period now where it's very very fractious they don't uh, speak much about any of the other crusader states other than the kingdom of jerusalem for obvious reasons i think it would just get too confused but they also don't really go into the the politics of the of the um the muslim world either only other than to say Saladin's in charge, which historically, to be fair, at this point, he, he essentially is. Right. I think it's important to note as well that the reason why the first crusade, crusade happened was that the kingdom of Bi- or the empire of Byzantium, which is the inher- it's basically the eastern, the, the remnant or the rump of the Eastern Roman Empire. Sorry, did you say it's the rump of the Roman the Empire? The rump of the Roman, yeah, okay. exactly. Go so the, the arse of the empire. Yeah, yeah perfect. It's yeah. it's basically existed all throughout time. Whilst the Western Roman Empire had collapsed in the fifth century, it Byzantium continued on. What happened was that there was gradual encroachment. Um, over time by people who would have been called uh, Arab tribes, especially after the, the rise of um, Islam in the, I think it's the 610s, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, so they've been eaten away at all this time. And what's happened here is about uh, 20 years before the first crusade is called, there's a big battle in 1071, um, which is called the Battle of Manzikart. And the basically the Arabs... Uh, steal Anatolia or take Anatolia from the Byzantines Mm. and what happens is the Byzantine uh, emperor he calls on the west for support he Uh. calls on the pope he says please come and help 
Um, Perfect, because I feel like uh, ever since the West has been eager for any reason to go and have a bit of <laughs> yeah, that was ours. That. Give it back. That was ours. <laughs> Is that not? I mean, that's basically. I, I'm just assuming based on what you said. Then that's like great, great. Uh, reason or excuse to go and have some fun precisely but it's important to note as well that these areas at mark was correct in thinking that every place from say syria to spain um had basically the, there was a massive islamic caliphate uh, they were had different people running it but it still had expanded over the course of 300 years um, to cover a massive area but the the issue with it was was that um, they had been halted in France essentially the they had been incursions by the uh, Islamic powers into areas as far as Tours in France mm. and there's a famous battle in I think it's sev- the 730s yeah. where it looked like um, the Islamic empires or the, the caliphate was going to take over the whole of France but it was halted by a very famous Frank called uh, Charles Martel I think the hammer yeah. the, hammer. the hammer and it's, if it's actually one of the most div- uh, decisive battles in world history because you can imagine how different Western European history would be if Islam had have continued on into France and Germany and where would it have stopped, if you see what I mean. I'll, ju- uh, I'll, ju- I'll just play the, the devil's advocate here. Uh, there is a school of historical thought, which I actually agree with, that says that's a, a, a massive exaggeration, the, the, the Battle of Tours, and there was really only a reconnaissance in force. And really what happened was the Frankish army was pathetic, comparatively speaking, mm. and they won a battle. And they're like, oh, well, that has stopped Europe from falling. That's the narrative. Like, that's mm. the Western narrative. That is how it's taught. It's not what historians all agree on, I would say now. But um, that's just with regards to the expansion into France everything else. Yeah, yeah and I, th- I think, though, eventually with the, the Spanish reconquer, or there was the Reconquista. Reconquista, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a kind of a... Uh, uh, crusade as well. Oh, for like sure, it. absolutely. But uh, basically, anyway, getting back to so this part of the world had been in what would be called Christian hands. Mm. Uh, so there was still a massive claim, or the Christians would con- still consider this area, especially the Byzantines, as their inheritance. So any excuse to go back and take over or uh, take over Jerusalem or its surrounding lands was 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 very much welcome would you agree mark yeah i look the the, the byzantine emperor um i f- believe it's alexius is 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 calling on uh, the west for aid and what he's doing is he he's 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 calling on uh, his cultural brothers essentially yeah. you you're the inheritors of rome in the west i'm rome in the east come and defend our, our uh, shared values also this is an insult to god you know so <laughs> what, what what's important to understand is is europe at this time we spoke before in in, in other episodes about the feudal system um specifically with regards to britain but you have to understand that like in, in europe at the time the level of small-scale warfare between feudal lords is absolutely out of control. It's completely out of control. So there are multiple reasons for, for the Pope to call this crusade. Mm-hmm. Firstly, it's to obviously in, in, in enrich himself uh, and to solidify his own power and being the guy who's able to tell knights and princes and dukes and everything, you go and do this and they all listen to him. That yeah. solidifies him as the and principal power. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not he... he, he particularly wants a political ally in Alexius and, and the Byzantine Empire well you know 
Byzantium itself gets sacked at one point in one of the Crusades. So uh, Constantinople, that is. So I mean, it's 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 probably less that really than anything. But everyone's got their own reasons for this. Um, yeah, some people just want uh, forgiveness for their dead wife. And, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The brother. Um, it's really interesting. I, I think I remember you saying that in an episode that um, like. As many things uh, happen here in the world, in history, you go like, well, it's only after the fact that you go like, yeah, of course that happened. But then looking back, it's like there's really no like president f- uh, for the Pope just going, right, you're, you lot are with me to all of Europe. Yeah, yeah. And once you've done that, the Pope has sort of like there were no crusades. Like that is how you show your strength. You can go around saying like I'm the head of the church or whatever. But if you do that and then people listen, then it's like, oh, shit. It's a great unifier yeah, as well. Absolutely. So you have oh, a yeah. common enemy. Like some of the language he used, he, he had a famous uh, sermon in, I think it was 1095 uh, when he was calling the first crusade and uh, the sermon of Claremont and he, the stuff he said about the, the current occupiers of Jerusalem was kind of shocking like you could see the prejudice there already he said uh, things like go and take back the fountain of all Christian thought and that the Turks as, as he referred to them were laying waste to the kingdom of God he even had this famous line where he said that when a Turk as he referred to them uh came across a Christian he would cut him open to check for hidden silver and gold so there was these the, the level of prejudice and hate you have to remem- remember as well that like God was the the, the power of uh, church or God at this time like it, it defined your identity so much so if you were told that you could go to the Holy Land get your all your sins absolved and as the Pope said, you get a free ticket to heaven as well. This seemed like a really, really good deal for people. Um, yeah. So no, no wonder so many went, I think. You, you can imagine as well, if you're the second-born son of a lord, mm. and you've been raised and trained your whole life to fight in, in Europe, and uh, you stand no chance of inheritance, but uh, you, you, you're constantly concerned about the idea that you're damned to hell because you've killed all these people. And then the Pope says... No, no, no! Come on, come over here. We we kill these these heathens who 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 are who are fighting against God, and you'll be absolved of all your crimes. And basically, anything you do in the Middle East, like you know, go nuts, take what you like, <laughs> yeah. just do do what you like. Become a lord, you yeah. Know? Become a lord. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting because um, the way they sell it in the film feels very sort of Wild West. Yeah, um, mm. but like even. They, like the philosophy behind it, it, it seems totally in line with what you're saying. This was the area you could go to and make a, make yourself into something new in a new world. Yeah, make um, a fortune. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like take the cross. Yourself, I think they call it. What yeah. what it's um what, what it it's portraying without outright saying or outright even I would say showing is that this is the this is the Islamic golden age. Yeah. So. I, I would suggest a pro- possibly part of the, the panic in the West from Alexius I, uh, the, the Byzantine Empire, Emperor, and the Pope is that these guys are doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, the, the, the caliphate might be fractured, and it is, it's heavily fractured at this point. Um, but in terms of like development and advancements in technology and medicine and science, mm. it's leading the way. It's very much leading the way. Europe here is shown as... Uh, being this completely horrific backwater. <laughs> they even use like a blue lens on the camera, you know what yeah, I mean? And it just yeah. looks absolutely <laughs> awful. The truth of it is the the caliphate has been in power and large and, and, and 
developing and in this golden period for a long time. So long, in fact, that Europe is actually benefiting from it. Um, it's the caliphate that brings back the Greek, the ancient Greek learnings. The mm. Christians had destroyed the, the, the Library of Alexandria. They had destroyed Plato's school. Yeah. Aristotle's works were burned. You know, this is, a, this is like all this ancient knowledge from the past. This is all gone until, until the, the, the Muslims bring it back. It was basically the... Uh, there was massive schools and universities set up in Baghdad where they would have um, translated into Arabic all of the uh, sort of remnants of the Roman Empire so all the kind of thoughts about mathematics um, science uh, even medicine all that would have been translated into Arabic added to because the um, Arabs were, and were actually masters of maths and you know algebra all these kind of things yeah. are all coming from there uh, and what's funny is that when we actually open this film Jerusalem has been ruled for a hundred years by uh, the Frank uh, Christian Franks so this knowledge had a was retranslated into Latin and was coming back into Europe so actually yeah. in many ways the 12th century in Europe was um you could call it like a mini renaissance whereas in the film which i really really objected to was that it did seem to make it look like the most grim dour yeah. kind of hovel you've ever seen <laughs> yeah. and then when you looked at the east and jerusalem it was full of spices and full colors there's satin and silk everywhere yeah, yeah you yeah, know yeah. um so i think that was definitely overdone uh, because in reality probably the standards of living would have been quite similar um and both systems were feudal systems you know there oh, was kings not. or yeah. sultans or whatever you want to call it you know yeah. um so that was one major problem i had with just the portrayal of of Europe at that time because in in reality it was actually a, a kind of a, a an awakening from the what yeah. we, what was known from as the, the dark, dark ages, ages. Yeah. Yeah. yeah interesting and um so just so I'm clear on this the caliphate um it, we're still talking about the period 100 years before the film so keep up everyone at home no <laughs> we're, we haven't gotten to the actual film yet don't worry we'll get there eventually but 100 years before the film so when they're calling for this first crusade uh does the caliphate at this point stretch into spain as well yeah yeah, yeah. and okay but they're not going into spain and like they're not taking back any of that they're like that's fine leave that alone we'll go and take over jerusalem so so the 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 fear the fear essentially is that the armies and the, the powers that are existing in, in, in the Middle East, what we would now call Syria, Iraq, Iran, that kind of area, that's where the, the, the principal danger in the, in the years leading up to this movie. Um, and the reason for that is because um, part, an area of Iraq and Syria, um, which is controlled by the fantastically named Zengid dynasty, have uh, sort of revitalized um, some of some of the uh, the populace there, and they've reorganised their armies, um, and that's under a guy called Imad ad Din, and then he, and then later his son Nur ad Din, um, and they're particularly dangerous. They've made uh, inroads into into uh, into the Crusader states. That area, though, is the flashpoint. So, hundred years beforehand, um, the city of Antioch is is a, is a flashpoint. You can't lose that. That's yeah. that's the that's the gateway into the Mediterranean. That's where a lot of the money is flowing through. Um, you've also you're talking about the area of the world that has the 
caravan trails, the roads to Mecca and Medina. Damascus. Uh, so while they're not concerned about Spain, I mean, they are concerned about Spain, but there's no further expansion in Spain right now. And you have to remember the romantic value of retaking Jerusalem, yeah. which, you know, was such do, a do, holy These guys as well, at this point, like the Pope, the church, considers itself the inheritors of Rome. There's a cultural thing about taking Jerusalem for the Romans. Mm. Like, you know, the, the sack of Rome, or the sack of Jerusalem is what built the Colosseum. You know that's the that's right. where the money came from. It's it's a it's a it's a big thing. The Byzantine empires the emperors don't call themselves the Byzantines. That's a modern thing. They call mm. themselves the Roman Empire. Yeah, they they believe themselves to be even though they speak Greek. They believe themselves to be the Romans. Um, about as Roman as the Holy Roman Empire. Yes, yeah, yeah. a bit more Roman than the Holy <laughs> yeah, Roman Empire. They had, not, ho- not holy, not they, Roman, and not. They Empire. could have, yeah. like for example, Alexis. We spoke of Alexis the first. He would have been able to, in theory, anyway. Uh, follow his line back to Constantine, the Emperor mm-hmm. Constantine. Yeah, that's the theory. They, yeah. they, they, their, their centre of gravity was Constantinople, which was considered impregnable at the time. It was you yeah, know, it, fortress. Like it, it's, a, it's a difficult city to take. Yeah. Like yeah. Michael referenced the Western there. Empire collapsing in... in, um, in Fifth century. Yeah, 475, is it, or 495? Yeah. Constantinople, the Eastern Empire, lasted another thousand years yeah. until the Turks eventually take, uh, take it and... and you say rename it, but that is just the Turkish for Constantinople, Istanbul. I mean, it's mm. the same thing. Like, anyway, they, they, they take it a thousand years later, so it does hang on. So in that uh, in that respect, uh, the Crusades work to some extent in terms of saving the, the Byzantine Empire to to an extent, but it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sham. Yeah. So fast forwarding, say a hundred years or so, yeah. um, bit of context. Yeah, there. That's, yeah. that's great context. <laughs> but so that's what's been going on and moving into the actual you know present uh, of the film. Uh, what do we think in there as far as context, as far as what's going on in the world and how it's reflected in the film? Well, I think, Mark, uh, like y- you, ha- you you can't really talk about this whole film without discussing a little bit about Saladin. Um, sure. Because he was so important to this time and why the pressures existed on Jerusalem. So if you want to... Yeah, you, so you, and you've said, Mark, one of your favourite historical figures. Yeah, no, I love this guy. I love, <laughs> I love Saladin, yeah. Yeah, so we, we like a lot of the times when we're, when we're doing these episodes, we're going to be we're going to be speaking about these kind of larger than life historical figures. We, we discuss Outlaw King and Robert the Bruce and him being this, you know, the cultural icon to the Scots. Saladin is a, is a cultural icon to... Not just to his ethnic group, which is the Kurds, um, uh, which might be a bit surprising to people who think he's Arabic. He's not actually Arabic. Um, but he's a cultural hero to the Islamic world, to the, the Muslim world generally. Um, and the reason for that is because he's just a spectacularly successful uh, successful man. Like He has no right to, to achieve what he achieved. So I mentioned earlier the Zengid dynasty. So... Um, they control the area that Saladin is born in. He's born in 1137 in Tikrit, which is probably more famous now for being this, the birthplace of Saddam Hussein. Um, so what, what essentially what happens is Saladin's uh, uncle is one of the commanding generals in Nur ad-Din's army. Um, and the Zengid dynasty are trying to re-establish their power, trying to break away from the Seljuk Turks, who are nominally their overlords. Um one of the major concerns at this stage is the Crusader states are moving into what's now Egypt, which is the, into the Fatimid Caliphate in Egypt, which is just spectacularly weak. Nur ad-Din's army uh, moved down to to this area of the of the of the Middle East, um, and essentially they, they go into they go into Egypt to try and force the Crusaders out. Uh, the Crusader forces are. are there's various different leaders, but the, kind of the principal one is the, the King of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was Almeric, um, but. Saladin uh, is kind of 
becomes an outstanding lieutenant at this point in the in the army under Wait, his uncle. Uh, you mentioned the king of Jerusalem. Is that one of the kings we see in the film? No, way before. No, it's before. It's but before. like one king before two kings. Uh, I think one before. I think, okay. I think another bald one probably. Was he <laughs> Almeric? I think is his name. <laughs> it's, 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 I think he's, he's one before. He might be two before, but it's mm. it's not it's sure. not long before. Okay. Anyway. Just keeping track of the timeline here. Yeah, yeah. So um, Saladin essentially anyway comes in and he, he he just over time look the uncle the uncle dies over time Saladin essentially becomes the, the governor of of Egypt, but this this is where he shows his greatness. Like so, he's an incredibly effective governor. So this guy brings in. The concept of salaried staff for teaching so it draws the, the the great minds from all around the world into egypt and they start establishing these amazing schools this is where the translations of the great greek epics are being done you're getting translations of uh of old christian books you're getting translations of books from the far east you're getting all sorts of stuff going on here great centers of learning maths is developing here Dema- Algebra. damascus as well yeah, yeah. so 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 what, he, what he's essentially doing is he, he's basically breaking Egypt away from the nominal caliphate and controlling it himself. Yeah, cool. He reorganizes <laughs> the army. He, he uh, improves the, the sanitation of the city. He brings in further uh, irrigation. And then, crucially, what he starts doing is uh, um, pushing back against the boundaries of the Crusader states so that he can control the road to Mecca and Medina. He eventually actually brings his army down and invades Yemen. So if you think about where the Red Sea is, he's controlling both sides of the Red Sea all the way down to Yemen, which opens up the trade routes yeah. into Mecca and Medina. Now that is, in the, in the Islamic world, like you could not have done a better thing than that. So he becomes, he starts getting these titles. People start referring to him as the, the, the patron of Mecca. So if you're this general who's done pretty well in Egypt and everyone really likes you, and you force a Christian king out of those lands, and you've re-established the trade routes into Mecca and Medina... You're doing pretty well, yeah. and you're kind of tolerant as well. So yeah, I mean, he's he's not. a learned he's a learned guy. He's just a very very clever guy. He's a bit of a polymath. Like he's yeah. just he's anything he turns his hand, he's pretty good at. But yeah. he's a, he's a political genius. And where's when, the film about this guy? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is this is the there point, is right? actually a, f- a few films made in Arabic about him. You know, cool. Um, but where, what I'm where, interested was in, he starring was it starring or or Jack Sparrow or who the fuck did we get? No, to no, I don't no that would be so. the Western version. Yeah, we have to yeah, exactly. uh, you know Jack well, Sparrow. Well, in, in this movie, he's he's uh, portrayed by uh, by Gassam Massoud, who, play, who plays him really well. They, they they play him as this very. He's played in the movie as this very quite a calm, astute, um, pious, pious, tolerant leader, which yeah. which is great. I mean, look, okay, he's a man of his time, so he's he's also done some horrible stuff. Like, but comparatively speaking, this is a great man. You know, mm. um, after he's after he he establishes the trade routes, he essentially just through political maneuvering succeeds the, the Zangit dynasty and basically ends up in charge of all of the land that's around the crusader state so you're talking syria uh iraq he, they call him the lord of arabia because essentially once you've got mecca and medina like you're you're in charge he's got yemen he's got egypt he's got all that land all around him he's he's the guy that you need to be worried about and when does he kind of start to i suppose badger the king of jerusalem when does he start to kind of put jerusalem in his sights is it back as early as 1177 yeah i mean it's a, it's it's immediately after he has himself established really in 
in the area that is his homeland, like around Tikrit and then Damascus and, and so on. Once he's there, I mean, the, le- the level of raids and battles back and forth and little skirmishes and stuff, I mean, that's constant. It's just absolutely constant. There's no, like, borders aren't fixed the way you would think nowadays. Yeah. Like, no one's got a ruler out, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just kind of like <laughs> you'd control a fortress or a castle in an area, and nominally the land around that is yours, and then next thing, you know, a lot of Crusader knights just turn up, or a lot of uh, Saracen knights, as as they're referred to. That you, you kept mentioning the Franks. I think it's just important to to, to phrase is like anyone who's from the West is referred to by Muslims as Franks, and anyone from the East is referred to by Christians as Saracens. Yeah, regardless <laughs> of ethnic background, like you know, um, and there is ethnic mixes. You know, they're not all from modern day France. Some of them so are we've kind of so. we've got two camps really now. We've got Saladin who's kind of the the growing power and he's surrounding the kingdom of Jerusalem which is yeah. ran by at the time of the movie it's Baldwin the Fort. Yeah, the Leper King. The Leper right. King, which is also one of those things that if it was in a fantasy film I'd be like this is a bit much like oh he's a leper and he wears I don't a believe mask. This. And yeah. I like <laughs> his metal head face though. Yeah, you know? no, it is it, it, is, really like it, it. it is memorable like, and some things a lot from that film aren't memorable so like ed norton as as baldwin even though you have no idea it isn't ed, ed norton <laughs> yeah. at all unless you actually look it up uh but he is memorable in so far as he's a leper and he has he wears a silver mask to kind of cover his face so he's kind of protecting jerusalem yeah he's had success in beating back yeah saladin's advances ba- ba- in the baldwin the fourth is is, yeah. is actually a really really interesting figure because historically like this is it this is a guy who and they kind of portray this in the movie like if he hadn't been cursed with leprosy th- this guy was a formidable enemy of, of saladin and it was kind of they almost portray it in the film as if they're friends do you know what i mean like as in in, in another time in another place these yeah. guys would be really good good pals and they're trying to portray uh um baldwin as like a, a, an equal opposite to to Saladin, which for me is overstating it a little bit, but he we we don't he just, know. He just well, but he did, ha- he did have a kingdom. He, it was a city. He, but he, well, yeah, well, he, yeah, <laughs> and he had won a battle. He did in 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 a, in a very uh, unlike Saladin moment. Um, he he was outmaneuvered. The Battle um, of Mongezard. Yeah, yeah, so Saladin was kind of caught unaware. They surprised him, uh, surprised his army, and and he was he was he was beaten. I mean, he, he was only a young lad, was he at the time, Mark? Yeah, Baldwin. Yeah. Baldwin's a teenager. He's he, he's only reached his majority at that point and be, actually become the king. One of the first things he does when he becomes king is he's trying to establish his power. So he goes straight out on the attack, <laughs> which is what you do. I mean, yeah. that, that is what you do. You know? And do we want to speak about sort of so he seems in the film anyway, Baldwin IV, King of Jerusalem. He seems to be kind of all out for peace as much as he can but he is surrounded by a couple of loose cannons yeah so put, to put like mildly, yeah. one dimensional bad guys let's be yeah, honest yeah, about yeah, it here yeah. so who have we got we've got Guy de Lusignan who, yeah. who is the in reality the man who succeeds him and in the movie the man who succeeds him who is portrayed as just an absolute like bloodthirsty weapon of a man like you know and also he's portrayed as being very very stupid extremely yeah very stupid yeah but as mo- is yeah I was gonna say more or less stupid than the other so character. yeah I was gonna say exceeded yeah. only by the ridiculousness of of, uh, of uh, Brendan Gleeson's character so which is Reynald de Chatillon yeah. yeah I think it's pronounced Reynald de Chatillon when he's in that little prison yeah. cell yeah. Yeah. such a weird scene he's in, the, he's in the prison just fucking losing his mind screaming his name so as the, as so the film kind of opens these two attack dogs are trying to pressure are trying to start a war yeah, yeah. with Saladin yeah. even though it makes no sense whatsoever no 
It's, yeah. it's to make a reference. I think I think the another character who, who's in the movie portrayed by Jeremy Irons, um, who's in the film is called Tiberius. Um, for which I think you uh, hit the nail on the head earlier before we recorded, saying like there's another character with a kind of similar name, so we have to change it to yeah. Tiberius. Yeah, which is Raymond. a Roman old weird, weird name. Yeah. Ra- Raymond the Third. Raymond the Third of Tripoli yeah. is the character he's actually yeah. playing. But yeah, yeah, like you were saying, I think it's just. It's too confusing in the film because his name is too similar to Brendan Gleeson's character. Yeah. So, oh, we we'll just call another example Tiberius. of that with Balian and his father. Actually, oh, just so we should probably start talking about Balian, uh, considering oh, he's kind of the protagonist. Oh, no, can we just keep talking about these kings? And, yeah, let's and ignore. Let's ignore Balian. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I suppose we we can't. We just have to kind of get it out of the way. Okay, let's do it. Mark Orlando Bloom as Balian of Ibelin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Like rarely, don't hold back. Rarely, <laughs> rarely in 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 I, I would say rarely in your life will you see a, a high production, a high cost production, um with it with an established director and lots of good actors. You know, rarely will you see a production like this as badly let down by a lead actor who. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I really think here. I, I I actually just think this guy's an embarrassment. Like in this film, it's it's some of the worst acting you're you're going to see probably ever in this kind of a film. Maybe this guy uh, Orlando Bloom is an, is an okay actor in 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 other roles. He cannot carry this film. He's good as an elf. All right as a pirate. It, I'll take your word for it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's one of these things where you're just like, why has he got so many lines? Please stop him talking. So, like I understand, star was rising at the time. Yeah, yeah. this 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 why. is clearly it got, look. You know, this is a guy who's in the position he's in because he's pretty. Let's be it's, let's be perfectly honest about it. He's, he's not a, he's not an acting talent, and he, he's a model. And it's about two thousand and five, so he would have had a run of success. So it's oh, par- yeah. Pirates of the, of the Caribbean, Rings, Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean. Yeah. yeah, those movies are all doing pretty well. So he's obviously signed a deal with the studio. Ridley Scott has been told if you want to make this movie, you've got to have Orlando Bloom in it. Yeah. So he's got to do it. He he is singularly outacted in every scene he's in, regardless of who he's acting. I as. think there's a dog that runs through the village that it's, acts better. Than he can't. He can't even. He can't even convincingly frown. It's. Yeah. That's it's like the one incredible. thing he has to like. That's like. <laughs> this is one thing. You know. You know how people talk about like. People talk about like you know the the oh the the, the stoic character and he kind of everything is carried through a look mm-hmm. like. Um, Marlon Brando used to do that in some of his older movies you know where a lot of it is just kind of in how he's chewing his chewing gum and all this kind of stuff whereas if you actually meet Marlon Brando or see him interviewed he's he's a, a very he's an extraordinarily articulate guy Orlando Bloom cannot carry that off at all I he's thought, just completely unconvincing in everything he does I thought at times it would have been better to have one of the minions from Despicable Me you know yeah. playing the role it would have had the role, same yeah. effect you know? but also, also I remember reading they said oh, Orlando Bloom had to put on three stone of muscle and all this kind of stuff to play Balian I just feel like watching this film that I would kick the shit out of him in a fight like he just it's, he's just so unconvincing as a, as a as swordsman like it's yeah and as an example like uh, when we talked about Outlaw King I remember you saying that Chris Pine you know you didn't have the highest expectations and yet obviously he brings more to it because he that character as well in that film yeah. does a lot of looking at things yeah. like but there's something going on yeah, there, yeah, yeah you yeah. know he's got something he's got something in his eyes like there's something happening in his mind it's also it's also I mean it's obviously uh, he's not doing great acting but he also just feels totally malplaced like he doesn't oh, yeah. look like he belongs anywhere no. and I think it is an extension of the sort of 
recut or the the watered down theatrical release in a similar way it's like oh we have to we have to put this in and we have mm. to remove this and that that's affecting the story a lot yeah. it's clear that ridley scott was yeah like you said he probably didn't he didn't want orlando what? bloom no i mean no 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 serious director making an epic film like this wants orlando bloom let's be let's be very clear on that yeah. nobody wants him what i find more lamentable really is that balian of Iblin, the historical character the defender of jerusalem is a badass character like you could not have asked for someone else yeah. with a better story he's like, absolutely his fascinating. whole life is Historic fascinating yeah. yeah um but they just turn him into a blacksmith from france who doesn't want to go to war but ends up going to war to to seek absolute absolution for, yeah. his, for his wife and because he keeps murdering people accidentally uh like there's no sense at all they portray him as a, a like he's an illegitimate child yeah he's the uh, bastard son of goffrey of Evelyn, um who's also not real um and and as like he, he he says to him, oh, uh, I I knew your mother, um, <laughs> but I didn't force her. And you're like, what? what? He kind of he, he starts off at like, oh, um, you I know, definitely didn't rape your mom. Yeah, basically, yeah. and you're just kind of going, what? Like, don't fucking lead with that, mate. But like, <laughs> he, he like he, he he's come all the way from the kingdom of Jerusalem to France, presumably just to find this illegitimate son of his. Which, first of all, makes no fucking sense. How does he even know he has a son? How do you know he's a blacksmith and the only blacksmith in the village? Yeah, yeah. And he, co- he comes and he's like, oh, oh, come with me to the Holy Land and uh, you can be the, the next Baron of Ebelin. Like, who does that? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? So, and he only yeah. knows, sorry, JB, he only knows him two minutes. And when he actually dies, uh, which happens later on in the film, and he's played by Liam Neeson, which Liam Neeson always does a good job. Yeah, but anyway... Yeah. He's he's seeking his absolution for his sins on his deathbed, and he's like, uh, the priest says, "Are you sorry for your sins?" And he says, "All but one." He knows this kid for five minutes. Five he doesn't minutes, know, yeah. and that, that's actually a running theme in this film. Yeah, um, Balian is is the most extraordinarily fortunate man ever. <laughs> I, at the start of the film, okay, his wife has died, awful, she and she's killed herself, awful. Um, you might from, kill yourself if he was your husband. Well, from that, from that, well, from that point onwards, he he's like his 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 wealthy, powerful knight of a father, the Baron of Evelyn, has come and taken him. He's met him one time. He's known him for about four hours at this point. Um, he taught him how to fight with a sword in one scene, and yep. suddenly he's an he's an excellent swordsman. He's not even holding the sword properly. It's mm-hmm. just fucking winds me up. Like even in the film, he's like, "No, no, you're you're holding it wrong." <laughs> a high guard, use a high guard. So he's like, "Okay, I use a high guard." Bit like and then they keep shooting the it like Jacob that later him. on. Anytime Balian pulls a sword out, he's holding it a high guard, like Dad taught me. You know, yeah. give me a break. This like five minutes in, and he's suddenly a good swordsman. Nonsense. Yeah, and I mean that's only the start. Then it's like moving on later on. We have him like. Literally, it like imp- the king wants to see you. Why the fuck does the king want to yeah. see you? Oh, the tell me how you would protect Jerusalem. And he talks about the walls, and he's an engineer as well. And yeah. and of course, towards the end, he is offered the kingdom of Jerusalem. Yeah, they basically just go kind of take command of the army and marry my sister. You have not met this guy. What are you doing? Like, no, 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 no. Do you know he killed a priest who was his brother? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. One of the bugbears I have, which really stood out to me, and you know, now that you guys point out other things, I'm like, yeah, there it's even more stupid. I have actually a list of stupid stuff here by Go the way for it. but the one thing i really found was he when uh Balian, so orlando bloom gets to jerusalem and he inherits his kingdom it's like this arid desert oh, yeah. hole in the it ground, is yeah. ridiculous and he turns up now he's a blacksmith from france okay and he's the only person 
who's ever taught a dig in a well in <laughs> yeah. a desert to irrigate the fields. Yeah. Within five minutes, the place looks like the fucking Garden of Eden. In in, in the Holy Land, no, the, ver- the, very, the, the very place that uh, invented the concept of irrigation. There, um, there you go, and because introdu- they and needed it more. And fucking you know? introduced it into Europe. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, in Spain, gardens of Babylon, you know? anyone, you know? Uh, like, this just really annoyed me. And I was even, like, thinking, okay, so... If a well why didn't I think of a well <laughs> and he's, he's a master so Jacob's right later he's a siege engineer he's also oh, yeah. handed he's offered to be the commander of all of uh, the, the crusader army and he's offered the uh, hand of um, Sibylla, Sibylla, yeah. Sibylla to, so he could become king of Jerusalem and he's a bastard blacksmith yeah. No, and don't this, you know historically, this, this makes yeah. no sense. This whole fucking thing makes no e- even sense. Even when he becomes Baron of Evelyn, he can't become Baron of Evelyn. Like, there's a point where Liam Neeson's character, uh, his father, is dying, and, and, and he knights him, and he says, rise a knight and Baron of Evelyn. You can't legitimize a bastard. You can make him a knight, but you can't legitimize Guys, him. have you not heard that it's the Wild West out here, and or sorry, the Wild East? That happens in Europe, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does that in Europe. All right. <laughs> so that, that, you know, even if that was true, it still doesn't stand, you know? Like, normally, just, like, normally if a king has or a, a lord or a baron had no legitimate heirs uh, first of all the land would go back the to returns the king. to the crown yeah. the return to the crown and it would be dished out to someone else yeah. uh, he couldn't just make him his heir like that and anyway the real uh, father of Balian he actually Barrison is it Barrison yeah he had us he had sons in reality yeah he had Balian, Balian's sons. actually his second son He's, he was never the baron of Evelyn I don't think hmm. let's uh, I mean even Despite the fact that the film does a very progressive job, let's say, of depicting the East as good and people in the West as stupid and bad, um, it, it, you, it still is inherent in our Western DNA sure. to cast a white boy to go over to the East yeah. and fix up everything. <laughs> the Kingdom of Jerusalem is about to fall. What we do, get a white guy from France, yeah. it'll be fine. He'll come but in and save us against against the Arabs. Like, I think nonsense. we've appropriately established that uh, the thing that didn't happen is, in fact, the thing that happened the least in this film is Orlando Bloom. A hundred percent. So yeah. tell me about real Balian. What was he like? Who was he? I know he was older, right? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. he was a nobleman, and he would have been born in the Crusader states. So, yeah. first of all, the French—you know—the maybe he had French um, heritage, probably, mm. but he was certainly new to land. He wasn't, as he's portrayed in the film, like a newbie. Uh, now, in the film, we it's kind the fish of, out of water thing, yeah, doesn't it? Like, yeah, you know, so like, oh yeah, he can be your eyes. You know, it's that. But he's but, a native of Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. and he he w- he was like he. He was actually a major ally of Baldwin IV, the King of Jerusalem. He would have fought with him against Saladin in 1177 at the, the, the Battle of Montgisard we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, he did. He was actually in the Battle of Hatton, which is the major battle of the film. Um, when he was defeated, what's kind of funny, uh, what I found really hilarious was that in reality, he actually asked Saladin, could he go back to Jerusalem? Jerusalem at this time was being besieged. Could he get his wife and children and just leave? And he, so he makes a deal with Saladin. And Saladin, being sound, was like, yeah, sure, go on. He goes into Jerusalem and then he's like, no, I'm staying and now I'm going to be the defender of Jerusalem. So he actually broke his word to Saladin, yeah. which was a bit of a dick move. So, so the Battle yeah. of Hatton, uh, that's the one we sort of skip over where Guy is the one who's defeated in yes. the film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so he was there, Bellion. No oh. sense oh. as well. The two guys march into the desert without any water. I just, yeah, yeah like, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, for like, sake. Like. So like the, the, battle, the Battle of Hatton, um, that happens in 1187. 
um, I, th- I think I'm right in saying I could be I could be slightly wrong here, but I think I'm right in saying that one of one of Saladin's um, kind of titles or nicknames or whatever is Al Nasir, which is the victorious. And the reason for that, or one of the reasons for that at least, is this battle. Um, the Crusader army essentially marches out against Saladin. The way they portrayed in the movie is they just march in a straight line into the desert, and he surrounds them and just massacres them. Yeah, not being bad here, but I mean, you would have been thirsty after five minutes walking out that door. You would have known you needed more. Some water. of these guys are wearing heavy chain mail. Yeah. This is this is like and they'd be fifty pounds of metal, and you're gonna walk in a baking heat of Palestine. And they had a hundred years. Not. It's not like they had just arrived. Like there was a <laughs> culture of living in this place for a hundred years. Oh, the kingdom had existed, so they would have known what to wear. There's a scene. There's a scene in, in the movie right before be, be, before the battle takes place, and uh, uh, Balian, who also is a is a master strategist, of course, says to Gideon, <laughs> he says, uh, he says, um, you need to move your army from water to water. You, you can't survive out in the open. And Gideon is like, when I when I want battle advice from a blacksmith, I will ask. But like the idea that the king of Jerusalem, which Guy is at now at this point, doesn't know that he can't move an army away from resource is just absolutely absurd in the, in, the, in the extreme well you need a degree in engineering to know that humans need water so yeah yeah you know what I mean it's just like, and like the, the, he the would, level of stupidity but even Mark, spectacular like. even the fact that he was in the war council makes no sense he had literally just arrived yeah yeah, yeah. No. what's he, he doing in the war he's council in, he's in the war council I think because he, he, he like led a charge against the suicide mission yeah thing. Kerak yeah. You know, he leads his charge which is just fucking nonsense as well what do you do with your horses well I'll just charge into a mass of other horses that are surrounding me just no well, what about uh, Balian uh, I mean he obviously like you said he asked can I go back get my wife and that mm. uh, I mean the r- relationship between him and Saladin uh, is kind of central to the film yeah is that a thing yeah like in, in like in reality um, when S- Saladin's army comes up to siege Jerusalem after he's like sort of just to just to labour a little bit on the Battle of Hatton uh, the, the army of Jerusalem is annihilated by Saladin at this point, like it's, right. he's he's wiped them out. They just they're, they're gone, um, because no, none of them. Uh, while Guy de Lusignan isn't as wasn't as stupid as the film portrays him to be, he's not Saladin, so he he ain't winning this. We're part. not. Are we sure about? We uh, there's a scene where he's paraded on the back of a donkey after he's actually been defeated. Yeah, is that true? Did anybody look into whether? I, I did some cursory research because it is a, an interesting thing to do to someone. Uh, he wasn't there at the time he Fair. was yeah. uh, I mean in yeah. Damascus as a prisoner right yes yeah. so at least that's what I read I mean I don't have a source for that but it, it does it, it feels very like a film thing to do but also like yeah, I don't know I would kind of do that if I caught a king but then yeah, I don't know but his relationship to Saladin I mean look Saladin is going to um, is not going to be surprised that the, the, the real the historical alien goes back on his word and tries to defend Jerusalem yeah. like You'd have to think that when he lets him go, he's probably like, "Well, he might leave, but if he doesn't leave, he's one guy." Well, re- really, what's he going to do? I've got, I've got this massive army. He can't have been surprised that Balin then tries to defend Jerusalem. Um, at the end of the day, he like still. How would you ever trust his word again? Especially when he does well, he eventually wouldn't. make a peace with him. Like, how could you trust him? The guy's just betrayed you last week. Like, yeah, I know, but it's yeah. political expediency, isn't it? I mean, it's mm. it's. You know. So, so the ending then does that pan out the same way it did in history, like in a historical context? Like they, they. I mean, Jerusalem is lost, right? Yeah. Jerusalem is for sure lost by yeah. the by the the kingdom of Jerusalem is destroyed. Um, mm. Saladin. 
does take Jerusalem for for the for the people or whatever, whatever for himself really. Let's be honest. But Balian um, doesn't run back to France to live happily ever no, after with no, the beautiful Ava Green. You know, no, it just he, he, doesn't, he doesn't say, "Oh, you just stop in the Queen of Jerusalem and let's go and live in my hovel in the south of France and I'll be a blacksmith." <laughs> it's not even the south of France. I don't think. Like, you know, at least the south of France. Oh, maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks yeah. like fucking Normandy. What's a Normandy? Christ. Yeah, even worse. That's why the king came by. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so so like um. Well, I said it makes sense, it doesn't. But um yeah, that that's does Saladin take the city back? Yes. Does he famously not wipe everyone uh, everyone out? Yes. Does he let people leave uh you know under like within reason? Yeah. Every soul safe passage to Christian lands, I think it's the quote from Yeah, the, I think I think that's overstating yeah, it a bit, yeah. like this, you know what I mean? Every soul. Look yeah. historically, mm. anytime uh, a city is sacked, anytime a city is attacked like that you cannot guarantee the behavior of your soldiers. No general in history in any siege or capture of a city has ever been able to do it. So if you say, nobody will die and we definitely won't take any of you as slaves and we definitely won't do this, it doesn't matter how good of a king or a general you are, your soldiers are going to do it. One person did die that I do want to mention because I actually really, really enjoyed the scene. I think it's my favorite scene. It's when Saladin has captured Reynald and essentially decides to hand a cup of iced water, which looks great. Badass. Uh, yeah. yeah. And he hands it to the the conquered king, Guy, yeah. who had replaced Baldwin IV. Um, but our friend Reynald actually takes it and drinks it. And what's that fa- that line he says to He's him? It's really cool. He, well, he just says, I, I did not hand the cup to you. Yeah. Um, and then he decapitates him. So that is actually the brilliant scene. Yeah. Like, he just chops his head off. And is that because you, you hated know? the portrayal? or I love, like, uh, I love uh, Brendan Gleeson as yeah. an actor. He's brilliant and everything. But in this, he makes no sense. He's just like a cartoon He's villain. He's just so a lunatic. He's like yeah. that guy yeah. in, um, you know, Des- what's Dastardy? What's... What's in it? Uh, I'm not sure. It's one of those. What's that character? Oh, wacky races. Yeah, that, wacky yeah. races. He's literally that much of a, yeah, a cartoon he's just, he's, villain. You he's know? just a psycho. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, like, in terms of that, that <laughs> what actually happened afterwards was Balian continued to live on in that area, mm. and then we were moving into the next crusade, aren't we, Mark? Yeah. So, so Balian, in, in the, the real Balian, as Michael says, hangs on because what's happened is the, the, the kingdom of Jerusalem has, has fallen, but the Crusader states are not all gone. Um, when you say Crusader states, are those also sort of city states? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, there, so one is based around the city of Antioch, um, yeah. it's the principality of Antioch. Then there's the county of Edessa, um, which is in fairly bad shape because Saladin just does what he likes there, really. Um, Tyre, yeah, yeah they all retreated to Tyre after. They the, all retreated the, to Tyre, the yeah. The, the 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 shock in the Christian world that Jerusalem has fallen um, to Saladin, who, who who's you know just the boogeyman now, you know, to, to Christians in the in the West, yeah, is such that the King of England uh, decides he's going to go on crusade. So that's that's the third crusade. And that's Richard. And that's the how Lion. we get Robin Hood. Right? Yes, indeed, yeah. that is how we See, get Robin Hood. This is our connected. It's all brain. connecting together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these these are the yeah these are the the guys who who come. This is Richard the Lionheart, Cor de Leon, who who comes into comes into Jerusalem, and he's a he's a legendary English culture hero too. Although in reality, he was never in England, and he actually bankrupted the kingdom. I think he only spoke Let's French as well. But and he, and he was, fr- and he was French. Yeah, not, not, a, not a word of English in this guy. <laughs> but um, actually, I just had a thought, and I should have thought of this before we started doing this podcast. But it was, would be really interesting to map out the history of the world, starting very early on with like mm. the the earliest depictions we can get, and right. then moving forward. 
Because right. then we could go now from like a period of time relevant. Uh, maybe you know you you can do your own version of uh, real history. We can put them in chronological order, and yeah. you can just listen and watch through like that. But it's really interesting because. Uh, stupidly enough, or I, I think it's understandable in today's society, history in my brain is a patchwork of stories and films yeah. and television, you yeah, know? Yeah. Well, the origin of the word history is story, so it's not surprising, like, all of so these... Deep, it, that's so all, deep, But it's true, yeah. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> men all, in this. Where's her stories? And, and we only ever have part of the story as well, so we're mm. only ever doing our best, you know? But to finish up, but what happened with Bailey in any way was he, he did assist Richard Lineheart. Mm. They fought a battle against Saladin I think the battle of Jaffa yeah about so five years later so, so yeah so they, so, so they win up they win a battle but they never recapture Jerusalem yes yeah. they just they, they can't get it from them so like they can win they can win a battle there and whatever and and England is bankrupted in the attempt um, to take <laughs> to take the city back but realistically Richard Lionheart tail between the legs back to Europe you, you, you just can't do it the he, treaty of Ramla they, they made a peace deal didn't yeah they? and the, basically the peace deal is that we'll just leave it yeah <laughs> so so Richard the Lionheart a great culture hero his great achievement is he has a draw with, with, with Saladin like, yeah so well done you know? portrayed by a uh, bit of a hero of ours Jorah Mormont oh England plays England, Richard Lionheart yeah. in one scene now it's, he's only in it for two minutes there's some really so. interesting lines in this movie some of which are some of which are, are good and delivered really badly and some which are terrible and delivered really well and uh, like there's a scene in the in the city when the city's under siege by Saladin and Balian Orlando Bloom is trying to trying to defend it and he does this thing where he makes a lot of knights, which is historically true. He does do that. He knights. He knighted a lot of the real Balian, knighted a lot of the locals. Um, but in the in in the in the film, he has this big speech. You know, the, the, the these guys are outside the walls, and they're going to tear down our holy places. And which is more holy, the wall or the sepulchre or the the yeah, great mosque? Yeah. None Who have claim. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. so badly delivered that like yeah. if you weren't already out of the movie. Because of Orlando Bloom's acting, this scene will do it for you. It's so, it's so bad. I mean, we also, b- besides the delivery, it's just not uh, a way of thinking that would have no, existed at the time. No, this it is, barely this is very exists modern. in 2005 yeah. when they're making the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, Like, that's the thing. You have to... Religious tolerance. Fuck no. D- but in 1187, I don't think so. This is definitely a film that you can tell was made at the beginning of the war on terror. Yes. You know, the yeah, first few years. Yeah, uh, like the Like, the... If you think about it, at that time, George Bush was being, you know, uh, accused of crusading for yeah. his wealth. Yeah. And there's even a, a, a... And the portrayal of Saladin is this, isn't it? It's like, oh, look, they're not all bad. That's what, that's what, that's, yeah. that's what this is. Like, you know, they're yeah. not... Well, not everyone in, in, in the Muslim world is bad. Like, fuck off. Like, obviously. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, you know. Yeah. But that's, that scene as well where, where um, he surrenders the city. I mean just Orlando Bloom just gets spectacularly acted off the screen by this guy yeah you know he comes out and he had this line he's like oh you know 10 Saracens will die for every for every Christian or whatever and then Saladin shocks him and says I'll give every soul safe passage every soul and there's a great line where he says uh, um, but when the when the Christians took this city they slaughtered everyone uh, every Muslim inhabitant between the walls and Saladin says I'm not those men I'm sorry. I did love That's one. That's a great line. And, and Orlando Bloom just looks like... He just ruins the whole scene. <laughs> this guy is great, and he just ruins the whole thing. It's so and bad. there is one line wet during the surrender when it's the, the bishop who's this kind of craven, <laughs> horrible character yeah. no yeah. one really likes, and he's just like, convert to Islam. Re- re- <laughs> repent afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> repent like, later. <laughs> It'll be fine. Save your souls. You know what I mean? Uh, it's <laughs> o- unbelievable stuff. Uh, and the cheesy lines are unbelievable. I definitely think so. But that, you know? that line at the end when Richard the Lionheart comes in, he's like, 
we we search for Bailey in the defender of Jerusalem and he says I am a blacksmith and he says it just like that and and then uh, the got, you in this? that level of acting <laughs> that level of acting I am a blacksmith line um, and then the guy goes and I'm the king of England you know is, yeah. so, I kind of like it, it, it it's, it's so yeah. cheesy it's great like, it's, it's great yeah, but it's, it's so cheesy it's, that's, yeah. a, that's what you want you know um, so yeah no I, that's the thing I took away really from the film was that it was trying to impose our modern understanding of say the clash of civilization between the west and and the islamic world uh and it was trying to really simplify it and make it look like this has been the same struggle that has been going on whereas they are vastly different and vastly different contexts well the film does wrap up with a uh uh, a title card that says like and a thousand years later shit's still going on can yeah. you believe it <laughs> um so yeah that's, that's definitely in there talking about the film in general uh i mean we've discussed gladiator uh which is a great film in itself i besides orlando bloom uh i really kind of prefer this one in a way um and i mentioned the wild west earlier there like filmically speaking there's a lot borrowed from western films oh massively like yeah. there's this scene where the templars come to kill balian yeah and he's like praying at a water hole or whatever yeah, yeah. the fuck he does um and like they're just surrounding him and the way it's shot it is such a like pistols at dawn yeah. scene yeah, 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 yeah. but i love it and i mean orlando bloom yeah he he shouldn't it, he doesn't look like he'll be able to kick their asses, but it's still a good scene. And like, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliantly well choreographed. It's pretty well shot. It's that. That's actually spot on. Yeah. Like, that's like the scene in the western where the guys, you know, he's just at, at, at the bar, and these guys come walking in the main street of the yeah. town, you know, and he walks out into the middle of the road, and it's like five guys against one. It's definitely that kind of scene yeah. for sure. Like, that might really be well my favorite scene because yeah, like, it's really well done. It's uh, that's when I was like. Oh, I get it. I get yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. doing here. <laughs> and he, and credit to Ridley Scott, like he he does a lot with it. Like all our criticisms here, like now compare it to the theatrical release. You know the version that everyone saw. Yeah. And as far as I understand, it is so condensed to just, like, and they market it as like a love story. Yeah. Which is so the wrong way to do it. Like, Kingdom of Heaven. I've, I, I remember like the posters vaguely of him with a sword and a yeah. woman. Like, yeah, yeah. that's not at all what he's trying no, to do. No, it's not the film's about at all. But yeah. But this is, this is the thing with Ridley Scott. Um, like, I've had this, I've had like an argument with a friend of mine who's a, who's a big film buff, like, and he's like, oh, Ridley Scott's going to be terrible. Like, he, he is a very, very, very good director. He he knows that this like just technically right. I mean he yeah. he's his shot the shots he sets up they're brilliant. Mm. He gets let down by scripts quite a lot. Yeah. He gets let down by studio interference quite a lot. Yeah, I yeah. just don't believe for a second he wanted Orlando Bloom to be in this. Well, it's I'm like delighted they decided to actually explore the Crusades as a historical yeah, epic. But you famously love them, so yeah. No, like, it is this a really favorite interesting thing. Well, well, favorite yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I was invading the East <laughs> to take it back. I'll the never live this down. You know? <laughs> um, but but. But it's just that it was done so badly. What would be great very, is very a TV show, like a, a big budget TV show yeah. that could really go into the real characters behind it. And well, if anybody's listening out there and has a few spare well, minutes yeah. and wants to make that, one that's, of these that's TV kind shows, of, that's going to be a, a running theme, isn't it? Because we, we said that about Robert the Bruce. We want an yeah. HBO series. Now we want one about Alien. Yeah. I'd want one about Saladin. You yeah. know. Yeah. But also, also like just just uh, just it's not it's not. Um, like the point that you make is is really strong that like oh it it's just done really badly and the fallout for that is 
it it makes it less likely that they're going to make more attempts at doing this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So this like this is this is really Scott. You you might say chasing Gladiator. He's trying to he's trying to do another historical epic, Swords and Shields epic. Yeah. And every time one of these fails, it makes it less likely that there's going to be another. Although success, I do like, think it made film. money. The the film did make money. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Just not as well, much. Well, Orlando as Bloom was on the poster, so yeah. I mean it was going <laughs> to make money, right? Well, interestingly, it made more money worldwide, I think, than like domestically in the US, um, yeah. and like a fair bit of money in the Arabic world, which yeah. makes so much sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is really good. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great point because Gladiator, in a way, was like a huge boost of interest mm. from people who saw it and were yeah. excited about history. But then, obviously, more importantly, studios like, oh, shit, we can make money with this. Yeah. And then every time Let's something fund like it. this happens, it's like, oh. And there's uh, because it's such a big production, that's why you get all this interference because people get scared mm. and they go like, okay, um, I know you didn't make a love film, but we can sell a love film. Yeah. Or at least that's what they think yeah. they can sell. They don't know how to sell this, which I think in a way is fair enough because it is a weird thing to sell, it's a even bit niche, better. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think we will always say that it should be a big production television show because you get to explore it properly. But the problem is those also need a very clear concept. Like yeah. you need to be able to say, no, this is like sexy uh, crusades or yeah. something like yeah. you need to do that in so order. it's Game of Thrones yes. but it really happened you know what I mean <laughs> it, but you have to be so specific with it because yeah. all these characters it's all interesting and stuff but you need to sell it along the lines of a foppish blacksmith goes and becomes yeah. the protector of Jerusalem yeah it's got to have the hero's journey one thing lads yeah. did yeah. any because every movie we watched so far has animals being with their getting their heads chopped off uh, one way or the other has this was any animal kind of got their head uh, chopped off there was some brutal. I don't know about head chopped off. There was some brutal stuff with the horses, though. Yeah, some horses get so horses are this week's victims. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember. Well, yeah. you, you have to imagine that the shipwreck that that which is so cliche, the shipwreck that gets Bailey into oh, the yeah, Holy shit, Land. That didn't happen. Only that survivor. Super didn't happen. <laughs> Holy shit! I <laughs> forgot know, about that I mean, bit. Yeah, the only survivor <laughs> is, is the is the lead. It's just so yeah. convenient. And like when he wakes up, he's like fifty miles inland <laughs> yeah. on the sand, and just comes across one of Saladin's generals. It's fucking nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I, I think this is one of those we could talk about all day because it's such an interesting era, but hopefully we'll get to discuss it again without some other films. Sure. Um, but we're going to have to move on in history to the next step, which is, of course, Robin Hood. Just kidding. We're talking about the death of Stalin on the next episode. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Just a little bit of further reading, just in case anybody yeah, actually some, uh, it wants to kind of explore the subject. Uh, I when I was kind of researching this film, I was looking a lot at Thomas Asbridge's uh, The Crusades, War for the Holy Land. Uh if you really wanted a detailed account of this, a very uh, popular volume is A History of the Crusades, three volumes, and it's by Stephen Ruskaman, I think. I might be pronouncing that wrong. And um, then a very, if you want a kind of a perspective that centers on the Islamic world's point of view, uh, then Carol Hillenbrand's The Crusade, Crusades. Do any of those have like the hero's journey in them? Because I kind of need the hero's journey in whatever I read. I just can't follow it unless there's the hero's journey. Yeah, now. no, no, they <laughs> would go into the main characters of the day like there's chapters on Bailey in, in most of these you know alright uh, so you, I think you'd enjoy them even though <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mark you 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 looked at something yeah just the, the book that's on the table in front of me um, The Life and Legend of the Sultan Saladin which is by Jonathan Phillips that was uh, that was released this year actually 2019 mm. um, definitely worth a read very cool so 
for anyone who wants to dig deeper, check that out. If you're like me, uh, just wait till the next film comes out. It should be another 10, 20 <laughs> years until they, like, because these things come and go in cycles. I feel like there's at some point gonna be something that manages to explore this more successfully. Yeah, someone's gotta yeah. do it. Because usually, the, most of the stories, because we're, they're very European, mm. it's usually like, they're back from the Crusades. They're going to the Crusades. Yeah, like, well, you, you mentioned Robin Hood. That's that's yeah. the context that's set in, you know. It's exactly. after Richard the Lion. Or yeah, he's sold. Their soldiers coming back from the yeah, Third Crusade. Yeah, exactly. Another hammy line is just before we go. What does Jerusalem mean? Nothing. Everything. <laughs> I'm like, come on, <laughs> Christ. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. creative writing school. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's about it. Uh, do go to showswithyouknow.com for our upcoming episodes, and of course, uh, you'll find our coverage on other television there. Uh, besides that, please do leave a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Let us know what we got wrong. We will eventually, I think, do a corrections episode where we just talk about oh everything God, we got yeah. wrong. I'm sure you'll be happy to oblige. Let us know. In a this on episode iTunes. is four hours long. Well, uh... <laughs> exactly. Well, I think that's it for this time. Bye bye. Take it easy.